This video is a shortened version of an essay published by the Health Freedom Defence Fund. It forms part two of their childhood vaccination schedule series and the link to the fully referenced article will be in the description. The story of the so-called discovery of rotavirus and the invention of the rotavirus vaccine is the quintessential example of everything that's wrong with the vaccine industry. Rotavirus, named after the Latin word for wheel, rota, is said to be the most common cause of diarrheal disease among infants and young children. The quote virus is allegedly transmitted by the fecal-oral route, damaging cells that line the small intestine, causing gastroenteritis. While diarrheal conditions have plagued humans since antiquity, the official history of rotavirus begins in 1943 when Jacob Light and Horace Hodes claimed they found an agent believed to be the cause of the diarrhea epidemic afflicting newborns in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area at the time. Light and Hodes gave the stool of affected babies nasally to calves via a filtration method, then waited to see if the disease would replicate itself in the calves. After performing this test, they acknowledged that the calf, like the human infant, is naturally prone to diarrheal episodes from a variety of causes, and the mere appearance of diarrhea following the injection of a calf would not necessarily signify that successful passage had been carried out. Nonetheless, they cautiously claimed that, though it is not conclusive, the evidence suggests the agent may be the cause of the diarrheal epidemic in the newborns. Nowhere in their analysis, though, did Light and Hodes mention the grinding poverty, poor sanitation, and overcrowded housing conditions that were signature features of big city life, including in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area during and after World War II. In 1973, at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, Australia's Ruth Bishop and her team of researchers would advance the hypothesis of a sole causal agent for this gastrointestinal disorder. Utilising electron microscopy, they observed tiny wheel-shaped fragments in faeces of children with severe diarrhoea. Three decades later, in 2009, Bishop wrote an article titled Discovery of Rotavirus, Implications for Child Health in which she observed in the early 1900s, 100 to 200 of every 1,000 babies born in Victoria died before their first year of life. She attributed the cause of this mortality to diarrheal disease, which she called summer diarrhoea, since it mainly occurred during Australia's hottest months. In the same 2009 article, Bishop noted that by 1940, death rates from gastroenteritis in young children in Victoria had plummeted to 1.64 per 1,000 live births. She cited multiple factors for the drop in death rates, such as increased hygiene in the home, availability of refrigeration and home iceboxes, proper sewage disposal, changes in hospital attitudes to admission and advances in treatment. Notably, this dramatic and welcome decrease in child mortality came well before the quote discovery of their rotavirus, not to mention decades before the creation of the rotavirus vaccine. 
Such historical data suggests that the diarrheal condition had causes other than an alleged pathogen and could be resolved through improved living standards, nutrition and sanitation. Yet some things seemed to prevent Dr Bishop from exploring the association of the disease with basic living standards, despite it being her own observation. One possible explanation for why Dr Bishop ignored her own conclusion is found in the foreword to her article, where she disclosed that she received funding from GSK and Merck for travel to conferences to present reviews of rotavirus vaccine research and for financial support of laboratory research on epidemiology of rotavirus serotypes in Australia, and that she had been an employee of the Murdoch Children's Research Institute, which is developing a novel rotavirus vaccine. Murdoch Children's Research Institute is a long-time recipient of multiple grants, including an appreciable amount of money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which benefits handsomely from the vaccine industry. Close inspection exposes a cosy, ongoing relationship between the two organisations, with a steady stream of financial contributions flowing from the foundation to the institute. A partial list of these grants involving millions of dollars can be found on the HFDF website. Ruth Bishop's 1973 discovery of, quote, summer diarrhoea and her subsequent research would ultimately lead to a pharmaceutical gold rush as virus hunters sought to solve the riddle of their alleged wheel-shaped infectious agent. In 1988, CDC researchers would publish an article in the Journal of Infectious Diseases in which they concluded that chronic diarrhoea in infants and mortality associated with those conditions were caused by the postulated rotavirus. One of the co-authors, Dr Roger Glass, would later pen an article touting the Indo-US Vaccine Action Program, highlighting the contributions of the Gates Foundation and the Rotavirus Vaccine Project. Ignored in the relentless pursuit of a vaccine was the fact it was already established that deaths and hospitalisation caused by infantile diarrhoea could be avoided by aggressive oral rehydration. A 1982 controlled study of well-nourished children hospitalised in the United States and Panama found that oral rehydration using a glucose electrolyte solution was successful in 97 of 98 children who had diarrheal problems. Additional studies have been produced which illustrate positive outcomes for the simple and underused therapy of oral rehydration and nutritional supplementation to treat acute diarrhoea. Inviting the question, why the rabid pursuit for a vaccine when a cheap and proven solution already exists? In the late 1980s, the leading vaccine candidate was a live simian human resortant, quote, virus developed in 1974 at the U.S. National Institutes of Health by Albert Kapakayan and colleagues. The NIH worked in partnership with and subsequently licensed the candidate vaccine to Wyeth Aist Laboratories for large-scale clinical research and development. Wyeth filed an investigational new drug application in 1987. Early clinical testing of this vaccine, known as RRVTV, rhesus rotavirus tetravalent, was deemed favourable. As a result, in August 1998, the first rotavirus vaccine, Rotashield, was licensed in the United States. One month later, the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunisation Practices, ASIP, recommended that Rotashield be given to infants at 2 months, 4 months and 6 months of age. 
The vaccine was immediately added to the childhood immunisation schedule. In the first nine months of the program, it was given to around 600,000 infants. According to a PubMed article, during September 1st, 1998 to July 7th, 1999, 15 cases of interception, a bowel obstruction in which one segment of bowel becomes enfolded within another segment among infants who had received the vaccine, were reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VIRS. Could these cases of bowel obstruction have been predicted? Yes if one accepts the results of a presentation on the pre-licensing clinical trials that Dr. Margaret Reynolds of the United States Rotavirus Vaccine Efficacy Group gave a year earlier at a February 1997 ACIP meeting. She was speaking on behalf of Wyeth Laboratories, which was bought by Pfizer in 2009. In her presentation, Dr. Reynolds described a randomised placebo-controlled double-blind study of 1,278 infants aged 5 weeks to 25 weeks. Each child received three oral doses of either the placebo, a monovalent vaccine, or Rotashield. Infants participating in the study were allowed to receive other routine vaccines during the trials. Safety data was studied for only five days following administration of each rotavirus vaccine dose. Adverse events noted in this clinical trial included fever, diarrhea, and vomiting. Four trial participants were hospitalized. Dr. Reynolds observed differing symptoms on individual post-vaccination days between vaccinees and controls, and told ASIP it could not be determined if this occurred from vaccination or random chance. No follow-up studies were performed to answer this question of causation. Instead, Dr Reynolds concluded that there were no significant safety differences for vaccinated or controlled children in the incidence of symptoms over the entire surveillance period. Yet, during the US FDA's review process, Dr. Caroline Hardigree, director of the FDA's Office of Vaccines Research and Review, raised questions about cases of intersusception. It should be pointed out that the issue of intersusception possibly being connected to the Rotashield vaccine had also been raised at ACIP meetings later in 1997 as well as in 1998, but those concerns had been dismissed. In a meeting of the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, VRBPAC, in August 1998, Dr. Hardigree asked Dr. Reynolds about the five cases of intersusception that had been found among the recipients of the vaccine, compared to zero cases among the placebo groups. Dr. Reynolds responded, The intersusception was probably due to chance temporal association. There were no follow-up questions on intersusception for Dr. Reynolds from either Dr. Hardigree or other members of VRBPAC, nor was there further discussion on these data points during the remainder of the meeting. Instead, VRBPAC ignored the intersusception findings and voted unanimously to approve Rotashield on August 31st, 1998. In March 1999, it was ASIP's turn to take up the matter of whether or not to give its blessing to Rotashield. The outcome of the ASIP vote was predictable. The panel officially recommended Rotashield. On March 19, 1999, the CDC published ASIP's recommendation in a report headlined Rotavirus Vaccine for the Prevention of Rotavirus Gastroenteritis Among Children. In its conclusion, the CDC report recommended routine rotavirus immunisation based on the high morbidity associated with rotavirus gastroenteritis and the favourable cost-effectiveness of immunisation. (music) 
Rotashield was barely out of the gate before reports of problems began surfacing. By May 1999, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VIRS, a national passive surveillance system that monitors the safety of vaccines, catalogued numerous adverse events related to Rotashield, including 10 cases of intersusception. Preliminary data from Minnesota, a state participating in one of the CDC studies, suggested a similar elevated risk for intersusception within the first week after vaccination. A 2001 retrospective study in the Pediatric Infectious Disease Journal addressed the intersusception problem. The study's authors noted that during the first year the vaccine was licensed, VIRS received several reports of intersusception after vaccination. To evaluate the risk of intersusception, they wrote, we conducted a retrospective cohort study in 10 managed care organisations. Their conclusion, RRVTV is associated with an increased risk of intersusception. As cases of intersusception developed beyond mere, quote, chance temporal association, the CDC made the decision in July 1999 to suspend its recommendation of Rotashield. In a follow-up report, the CDC acknowledged a serious problem with this vaccine. By December 31st, 1999, a total of 112 cases of interception with illness onset before August 15, 1999, had been reported to VIRS, one month after the suspension of the rotavirus vaccination program. When the VIRS findings were confirmed by more definitive studies, the manufacturer voluntarily recalled the vaccine, and the ACIP recommendations were withdrawn in October 1999. Given that many significant problems associated with Wyeth's vaccine were known before it began to be associated with interception, and given that these issues were discussed in multiple regulatory meetings, it is natural to ask, how was it that this vaccine sailed through the approval process? And why were serious warnings of interception overlooked and openly dismissed? The answers to those questions can be found in the vast web of conflicts of interest that constitutes the architecture of the regulatory system and defines the vaccine approval process. In August 1999, the US House of Representatives Committee on Government Reform launched an investigation into federal vaccine policy as it pertained to possible conflicts of interest among policymakers. The committee noted that conflicts of interest were widespread. It highlighted Rotashield as a prime example of the incestuous relationships among the regulatory bodies. The investigation focused on two regulatory agencies, the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, VRBPAC, which advises the FDA on the licensing of new vaccines, and the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunisation Practices, ACIP, which advises the CDC on guidelines to be issued to doctors and states for appropriate use of vaccines. The findings of that investigation, published a year later, revealed numerous conflicts of interest among members of both VRBPAC and ACIP, and raised significant concerns regarding the approval process of Rotashield and many other childhood vaccines, the report found that conflict of interest rules employed by the FDA and the CDC have been weak, enforcement has been lax, and committee members with substantial ties to pharmaceutical companies have been given waivers to participate in committee proceedings. 
a list of some of the specific problems the investigators had with VRB Pack and the numerous conflicts of interest they identified are listed on the HFDF website. With the withdrawal of Rotashield in 1999, attention turned to other rotavirus vaccines already in the pipeline. Within the next decade, two FDA-approved candidates would be approved and recommended for children in the US. Merck's entry into the sweepstakes, Rotatech, received approval in 2006. Rotatech had the distinction of being one of the most expensive vaccines ever marketed. It was listed at $187.50 wholesale for the three-dose series, meaning doctors would charge more than $300 retail. The clinical trials that led up to Rotatech's licensing presented several problems. Like the trials of all childhood vaccines, they did not use a proper placebo control. Instead, the control used bioactive ingredients. In fact, all the other ingredients in the Rotatech vaccine itself. In 2018, when the Informed Consent Action Network, ICANN, reviewed Merck's package insert for the Rotatech vaccine, it discovered that the insert claimed the control was a placebo. Corroboration of this claim proved impossible, however, since the FDA's clinical trial review had redacted the ingredients of this, quote, placebo. So, on behalf of ICANN, Attorney Aaron Siri's law firm, Siri and Glimstad, LLP, submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to the FDA, asking for documents sufficient to identify the ingredients of the placebo in the pre-licensure clinical trials identified in Section 6.1 of the package insert for Rotatech. On June 14, 2018, the FDA answered the FOIA request. The documentation it provided listed polysorbate 80, sodium citrate, sodium phosphate, and sucrose as the bioactive ingredients used in the placebo. Yes, the very same ingredients found in Rotatech. The Rotatech clinical trial data also noted that the children in both test groups were allowed to receive routinely recommended vaccines at the same time, a confounding variable that made the trial data even more worthless. The clinical data acknowledged that the incidences of diarrhoea, vomiting, otitis media, ear infection, nasopharyngitis and bronchospasm were statistically higher among infants in the Rotatech group versus those in the placebo control group. It also acknowledged other serious adverse events including seizures, urinary tract infections, gastroenteritis, bronchiolitis, pneumonia and pyrexia. The FDA would add a specific note on risks associated with intersusception. In the phase 3 clinical trials for this product, the risk of intersusception was not increased relative to placebo within 42 days of any vaccine dose, but the risk was not zero. The potential risk of developing a serious adverse event from the vaccine, such as intersusception, must be weighed against the benefit derived from a vaccine that prevents a disease that is not severe in most US children. The not zero caveat would prove to be prophetic. By 2015, reports from VIRS, which is known to substantially underreport adverse events, listed over 1,500 cases of intersusception and 10 deaths associated with Merck's Rotatech vaccine. Rotatech's product insert also raised red flags and stated, In a post-marketing study, cases of intersusception were observed in temporal association within 21 days following the first dose of Rotatech, with a clustering of cases in the first seven days. 
In February 2008, the FDA's VRBPAC panel added in an 11 to 1 vote a third rotavirus vaccine to the mix. This one, GlaxoSmithKline's Rotorix. As was the case with Rotatech, children in the control group of the clinical trials for Rotorix did not receive a proper placebo. Instead, the control group received an oral drop that included dextran, sorbitol, amino acids, Delpico's modified eagle medium, and xanthin. In 2011, the British daily newspaper, The Times, reported that GlaxoSmithKline would link up with the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunisation, Gavi, with the intent of selling over 100 million doses of Rotorix to the Indian government over a five-year period. Gavi was founded in 2000 by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with assistance from the International Federation of Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Associations, the Rockefeller Foundation, UNICEF, the World Bank Group, the World Health Organization, and national governments of donor and developing countries. Gavi's purported mission is to shape vaccine markets and to save lives and protect people's health by increasing equitable and sustainable use of vaccines. The Gates Foundation has long had a robust presence in India. Or, to put it more bluntly, the foundation is expert at leveraging public-private partnerships for its benefit, while foisting unnecessary and dangerous vaccines on underdeveloped nations. In 2014, Sanjay Srinivasan, consulting editor of the Indian Journal of Medical Ethics, remarked, The Gates Foundation is funding the development of and actively promoting a rotavirus vaccine. In all these efforts, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has consistently disregarded serious concerns raised by senior public health professionals regarding these vaccines' relevance, public health value, safety and cost, affordability for India, as well as the ethics related to their trials. Andrew Whitty, who served as chief executive for GlaxoSmithKline between 2008 and 2017, told The Times that GSK would be offering vaccines to India at a reduced cost as a concerted strategy to change their business model. In July 2012, GSK issued advertisements announcing that babies in India were dying from rotavirus, prompting India's financial magazine Money Life to ask, is the pharmaceutical industry trying to create an opportunity for making money by hard-selling new vaccines to parents by creating a false scare about the disease? रोटावायरस वैक्सीनेशन कब से करवाएं? बच्चा डेढ़ महीने का हो जाए तब से। आप भी अपने चाइल्ड स्पेशलिस्ट से ओरल रोटावायरस वैक्सीनेशन के बारे में जानें। From this entire episode, we ascertain that GSK was wittingly frightening parents with manipulative marketing tactics and misleading quote public service announcements in order to create a market for its vaccine.
No article about shady clinical trials, backroom handshakes, moneyed interests and the pharmaceutical machinations involved with rotavirus vaccines is complete without an account of the close connection between paediatrician Paul Offit and Merck's Rotatec vaccine. Offit served as a member of the CDC's advisory committee, ASIP, from 1998 to 2003. During his five years on that panel, he voted favourably on three rotavirus issues. One of those issues was the recommendation to add the rotavirus vaccine to the Vaccines for Children program. At the time, Offit shared ownership of a patent for a rotavirus vaccine being developed under a grant from Merck. According to a June 15, 2000 congressional investigation held on conflicts of interest and vaccine development, it was publicly revealed that Dr. Paul Offit disclosed that he holds a patent on a rotavirus vaccine and receives grant money from Merck to develop this vaccine. In their 2009 article, Voting Himself Rich, CDC vaccine advisor made $29 million or more after using Roll to Create Market. Age of Autism editors Dan Olmsted and Mark Blacksall calculated that Offit made somewhere between $29 million and $55 million from his stake in the Rotatec vaccine. Olmsted and Blacksall made an indispensable observation on how vaccine markets are created. Unlike most other patented products, the market for mandated childhood vaccines is created not by consumer demand, but by the recommendation of an appointed body called the Advisory Committee on Immunisation Practices, ASIP. In a single vote, ASIP can create a commercial market for a new vaccine that is worth hundreds of millions of dollars in a matter of months. For example, after ASIP approved the addition of Merck's and Offit's Rotatec vaccine to the childhood vaccination schedule, Merck's Rotatec revenue rose from zero in the beginning of 2006 to $655 million in fiscal year 2008. In addition to his duties as chief spokesman for his patented vaccine, Offit also happens to be a routinely cited go-to expert on vaccines for the mainstream media and one of the most widely quoted defenders of vaccine safety. In a 2015 New York Times opinion piece titled What Would Jesus Do About the Measles? Offit asserted that Parents who chose not to vaccinate are martyring their children. He even intimated that were Christ Jesus alive today, he would likely advocate for forcibly vaccinating children against their parents' will. The labyrinthine history of rotavirus and the rotavirus vaccines is how the public is conditioned to believe there is a threat where there is none, while the fundamental causal factors of disease are ignored or concealed. The tautological quote reasoning that rotavirus causes diarrhea assumes that a microscopic anomaly found in a malady must be the cause of that disease rather than the result of numerous factors which create the conditions for that disease. In the developed world, mortality is rarely seen in cases of gastrointestinal irritation. Most cases of chronic diarrhea are indications that something that was ingested cannot be digested, 
Examples include certain indigestible proteins that impair the proper functioning of the colon. Food that is not properly assimilated is rapidly eliminated while still in its watery state. Excessive feeding of starchy foods to infants can also be problematic as the necessary digestive enzymes for proper digestion of starches are not present in functional quantities until around six months of age for most infants. Infants fed inappropriate diets or just overfed can have their digestive systems turned into an ecological mess. Fortunately, poor nutrition can be treated inexpensively through dietary changes to restore intestinal flora. Misdiagnoses may also lead some pediatricians to prescribe anti-diarrhea medications or opiates. Certain medications and bactericides like antibiotics or penicillin can prevent normal bowel functioning. Antibiotics may severely disrupt the gut microbiome, which can lead to dehydration and even damage to the intestine. In the underdeveloped world, chronic gastroenteritis is primarily a condition created by dirty drinking water, poor sanitary conditions and malnutrition. Infants in the third world and in some areas of the US face the daily reality of drinking water that contains excessive biological waste and or chemical toxins. About 1.2 billion people do not have safe, clean water to drink. Twice as many do not have adequate sanitation. Hundreds of millions suffer repeated, innovating bouts of diarrhea due to these conditions. Protests from compromised scientists, health bureaucrats and industry executives aside, it is not vaccines that the third world needs to prevent severe diarrhea. What they need is the basics, clean drinking water, better nutrition, proper housing and improved sanitation. These are not solutions many governments seem motivated to address and not the reality that the pharmaceutical industry wants the public to hear. Both governmental agencies and the pharmaceutical industry control the direction of public health policy and treat vaccination as the solution for what are profound political and social problems. There are many lessons within the rotavirus saga Foremost is how drug companies manufacture a disease to frighten parents as a means to create a market out of thin air. If you enjoyed this video, please visit support.dsam.com 